Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Join hosts and educator extraordinaires Michal Beton and Noam Weissman for the latest weekly podcast from Unpacked Wandering Jews as they tackle topics and uncomfortable questions about Israel, Judaism, and Zionism that surround them with the goal of working towards the answers together with their listeners. No matter where you're from, if you've ever wondered about anything, this is the podcast for you. Listen to Wandering Jews with Michal and Noam on your favorite podcast app today. Wandering Jews is brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. Heard around the world on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Cannabis Talk 101, the world's number one source for everything cannabis, with Blue and Joe Grande. Thank you for listening to the podcast, Cannabis Talk 101. Appreciate you guys out there, and thank you for checking out the website, CannabisTalk101.com, as we are the world's number one source for everything cannabis. With Blue and, of course, Joe Grande, myself. Blue's not here today, and he's missing a good one, folks. Well, I got my new partner. I got my, I think, Dave Gash. When I say my new partner, folks, Grizzly Peaks is taking over not only the fucking cannabis game. Now they're taking over Cannabis Talk 101, it looks like. Well, what is, what, what is Blue on vacation? Or, well, you know, he can't be with us today? I mean, only Grateful Dead cast cat, so we're over here. Only Big C, but, but my point is, and only fucking yeah. Big Dave, but no big deal, right? That being said... He is doing something very big today for us. And half the team is there and half the team is here, right? And literally, they're on a private fucking plane flying up north to go to Lowell Farms, to go to this thing, to go to this thing with Big Mike, and they're filming, they're doing a whole big thing. So in, in fairness, we apologize, first of all, to you guys for not having the full staff and everything, bells and whistles here, but that's where they're at. But all that being said, just you guys are watching, thank you, as we are the world's number one source for everything cannabis. And uh, check out that website with so many great articles and blogs. And call us up anytime, 1-800-420-1980. And check out our Instagram page, at Cannabis Talk 101. Blue is at the number one, Christopher Wright. And I am at Joe Grande 52. And what time is it, folks? Dime time. Woo, look at that. That's right, folks. Dime time. Think higher with Dime Industries. You can find them in California, Arizona, and Oklahoma. Check out the website, dimeindustries.com, or on, on Instagram at dime.industries. And uh, matter of fact, I got this pin in my pocket, which is your pin. I don't want to forget because I'm not a pin stealer, so come get it right now. Da- Daniel, son, come walk on set because this is what happens in life, folks. How many times do we walk away with someone's pin and lighter and everything else? And that was your dime pin that I brought for you earlier today. You put the top on, I had the bottom. But it's yours. So there we go. I don't want to keep that in my pocket. All that being said, you already heard me talk for a minute to Dave. CEO of Grizzly Peak Farms. Senior Dave Gash, you guys. GrizzlyPeakFarms.com. And he's now what I consider a personal friend of mine. He's been a former guest on the show 
you heard him come here with just some little rappers here and there that he puts together and then some big rock stars. I mean, just do the grizzlypeak.com so you can understand who the man is. But for me, who the man is, is Dave and I were texting. And I want you to hear this story too because I'm sure, Big Steve, you already know about this guy, what the fucking character of this dude is, right? But I want the listeners to know how this man touched my corazón, which is my heart. We hit it off just dude to dude on the show. Had a great time. Conversation as two men sit up here and I interview a man and it's always fun. And then we hit it off and, you know, exchange numbers, which, and to be quite frank with everybody listening, I just don't give my number to everybody, nor do I ask people for numbers to everybody. I just don't. It's not my fucking thing. But people that I have a gut feeling that I like, I do, right? So I asked Dave for his number and I don't know if he's the same way. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying how I am, right? And so therefore he was nice enough to give me his phone number and we exchanged numbers. We had a conversation later because my 50th birthday was coming up. The man offers to make a Joe Grande 50th joint. I damn near shit my pants, right? Oh, my God, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me type feeling like you have, right? Like, I'm going to have one of these. A big, like, I'm comparable to Big Steve. Whoa is how I feel, right? I'm comparable to Big Draco. Whoa. Like, I, I, that's the feeling I'm getting, folks. I want to describe to people listening how Joe Grande felt. From this man. That's why he's my personal friend and I'll do anything for him, like I said, because he made me feel something that I just admired and loved from him. And he didn't need to fucking do whatever and he never knew he was going to come back to get this praise on the show either. So it wasn't like he did it for this. I'm giving this to him for the listeners to know what happens behind the scenes because he does this without being praised for. So now he's going to get praised for it whether he likes it or not because he's on the show and I have the mic. Well, that's the way it is, Joe. Right? That's and the he way does it is. this for me, and I cry, and he sets up everybody, you guys. I come to my 50th birthday, Big Steve, and this fucking dude right here bends mountains because he sends me a text going, I'm going to get it to you. When's your party next week? I go, no, it's like this week, but don't trip. Like, And I'm on that, don't trip, thank you. And he goes, oh, I can just feel it, right? I can feel what he had to do. Like, without well, even yeah. you saying what you had to do, it just, I knew, Dave. And I didn't even expect it. So that's why I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And that's why before the show, all I said was thank you to you 10 times. That thank you 10 times was me holding back all this conversation that I wanted to say to your face, but I didn't want to not say thank you to your face the first time I see you enough to let you know all that was this. And thank you. And that's from the sincere bottom of my heart, dog. You're like, a good dude. Hey, Joe, I really appreciate that. You know. Yeah, clap for the motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, but that's no, who I, this dude is. But that's all and I'm going to give him a big introduction. And I got a big introduction for this dude. But that was just off top of you because I know you. So I got to talk about you for because you brought him. So for you bringing him, that's your love. Now, folks, let, listen to what we got on the show. I can carry on, and you can just hold that in your heart, Dave. And people out there, you can hold that in your mind when you look at Grizzly Peak Farms and you think of a cannabis company. Well, think of the man that owns it in that story that I just told you. Because that's the type of fucking company that is, is why I told you that story. That story reflects who Grizzly Peak Farms are. And that is the reason why I wanted to tell that story. Because the man is the CEO of the company, and this is who the man is. And he had nothing to do without any praise, without no knowledge of this. That all being said, folks, now that I did that, and I feel better in my heart. Because... It was my 50th birthday, and it was fucking one of the highlights of my thing, and I still have them at my home, and it still sits in my office at my home, so I see you every day. You're a part of my life every day. Right on. You know what I'm saying, dog? Like, right <laughs> there. To where my wife goes, the office smells like weed, and I go, that's Grizzly Peak Farms. <laughs> like, it's fucking, you're a part of my life. 
I've had an argument because of you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love you. Now, folks, this is big for everybody in the world because this right here is one of those iconic things that's happening right here on Cannabis Talk 101, folks. And I'm talking about big Steve Paris. And not only the stories, but let's just go off the... He's an author of this book called what? Home Before Daylight? My Life on the Road with the Grateful Dead. Let me just tell you a little bit about Big Steve, you guys, in this book. It's the untold story of the life on the road with the Grateful Dead, written by an insider who lived from the early days to today. And right now, he's sitting right here to the left of me. Steve Parrish was never one to walk the straight and narrow. Not even now, folks. Even during his childhood growing up and Flushing Meadow, Queens, busted as a teenager for selling acid in the summer of 1968. You got a tab on you right now? I might take one. <laughs> Paris landed in Rikers Island, folks. Maybe I wouldn't, but fuck, it just took me back to taking some tabs. The experience changed him, and after getting out, he did his best to stay out of trouble. Securing a job, moving musical equipment at the New York State Pavilion. Congratulations, mijo. The first show he worked was, you guessed it, a Grateful Dead concert in July of 1969, and Parrish was captivated by the music. Fuck, who wasn't? A life seemingly headed nowhere had suddenly found its calling, and he, this man right next to me, fell in quickly with a band, Like-Minded Misfits, who formed the nucleus of what we be the greatest road crew in rock and roll history. Paris then traveled to California right here in the Golden State where his appreciation began, you guys, his apprenticeship. That's where his appreciation for everything started, really, because this apprenticeship working for the band for free, as we just talked about this ironically in my office today, and learning his craft. Paris got to know Jerry, Bobby, Phil, Billy, and Mickey, and through the years, the relationship formed an unbreakable bond. He became very close with Garcia in particular, acting as his personal roadie, and later managed for his solo performances, you guys, in the Garcia Band shows. He was there during times of trouble, well, like when a fucking pimp held Garcia hostage at gunpoint in New York City at a hotel room. Spending hours by his bedside when Garcia was in a coma in 1986. And performing the duties of best man at his wedding. And he was also the last friend to see Garcia alive. Throughout, you guys, the dead's historical run, there was parties of biblical, proportional, and celebrity run-ins with everybody from Bob Dylan to Frank Sinatra. Fuck, those are some of the greatest names you ever heard in the history. But there was a dark side to life on the road. That tragedy didn't just strike the musicians. But Home Before Daylight is a story of friendship, of music, and redemption. It's a piece of music history, one that reflects the American spirit of adventures and brotherhood. Seen through this man's eyes right here next to us, Steve Parrish's, and his whole experiences, the Grateful Dead's wild run has never been so revealing. Folks, go buy this book and get his cannabis as he partnered with Grizzly Peak Farms. Recently, he decided to team up with the growers at Grizzly Peak to bring this mysterious strain to life and share with the public what they took 
the seeds and crossed them with gelato and London pound cake 75. The final product is right here, folks. Big Steve's Egyptian Kush, a strain that honors the Grateful Dead family and its Egyptian origins. Welcome to the show, brother. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I, I got to say something right here that, you know, you mentioned Dave Gash, and he's the reason why Grizzly Peak is in my life, too. Because there were so many people, Joe, that were following us around on Dead & Company tour, and they knew that I was the pot guy, you know, always was the center point of that. Always had the weed for everybody, and we smoked it together, and everybody shared. But when it came to a point where people wanted to give me samples, all the companies that there are in California, I knew right away when I met Dave and I tasted Grizzly Peak, and I'm not just saying this, it was the best indoor weed I smoked. Oh, you haven't smoked too much weed, probably, have you? <laughs> well, you know, I started smoking when I was 15, and that was 1965. Just touring with the Grateful Dead, come on, I'm just imagining. Well, I was saying I mean, earlier, you know, uh, girls had something we wanted, so they could come to the shows and we'd get them in. But guys, they had to bring something, and they brought drugs. And they would bring us pounds of Colombian weed, pounds of Mexican weed. And I'm talking about Mexican weed that was the most beautiful lime green with red seed caps and incredible up high that Jerry loved it. And all the musicians in the Bay Area loved it, man. They smoked it. Now, in my little biography there, you understand, when I wrote that book, a lot of people were still alive. I couldn't tell all the truth about some things. <sighs> sure. And so, you know. Uh, I just love that read on that book, though. That's why I chose that one. I mean, I've seen so many other things. What you guys have on oh, your yeah, website no. is great on Grizzly Peak. But right. that about the book, to me, was just very, it's deep. It's great. You know, well, I was, you know, it's good, but I wanted to say that uh, I came to San Francisco come first. Come a little closer. Come a little closer. I, was, I, I came to San Francisco first uh, in 1968, and that's when I met the Grateful Dead. Then I took something back from there to New York and tried to make some quick money, and that's what when was I that? got popped. And that was that LSD, and it turned out to be the big sale of all time at that time, 100 tabs. and the, Big old sheets? <laughs> uh, no, it was uh, in uh, capsule form. Oh, okay. Uh, and it was uh, made by Owsley, and I couldn't talk about that. He was alive, and we had a thing, you know, in The Grateful Dead, we didn't talk about what we did. We never did. No side hustle talk. And so We're just a band. That summer... We're just I, a band. I lived at Brady Alley in San Francisco, and I was standing on the street, smoking a cigarette, and here comes Ramrod. I didn't even know it was him. He was unloading the truck, and I just walked over there to help him, and we became friends, and that was my end to everything. Then I got laid up with the bust, but my father was smart enough to pay a judge off, man. Otherwise, I would have been going away for a long time. How dope is that? Well, he was a teamster. He was a tough guy, I mean, Those guys still man. happen now, but, you know, it's harder. The judge wanted to Ever put me away. Ever since that show, The Judge came out or whatever on Showtime, <laughs> that fucked it up. Right? <laughs> yeah. You watched that one? There was a good one but about the shady-ass judge. Uh, if you notice, it's, uh, it's a hot seat to be a judge. It always has been a hot seat. 
But in the Grateful Dead... Feel free to grab it and pull it to you if you like, to sit back. You I know. do like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a couple of times on the road, we would get busted all the time because we smoked pot everywhere we went, right? Where's and a good one? Give me a good story of a bus. What happened of a good oh, one on the road? Shoot. Like, okay, I, I, I was just thinking of this stories. one. We were uh, driving outside of all... And I got to smoke a cigar today, folks. If those are watching and listening, I'm smoking a cigar today. I'm like, fuck, you guys are here. I just... <laughs> my good new friends here. I told you why I love you. I'm smoking a cigar with my buddies. Enjoy the you day. You know what I mean? Let's go. Well, that just makes it just... And now you got to like one of your big Steves. Mm, and it's that's a rock an honor. Historian here. Right? It's a rock and roll day. Rock historian Let's right go. Here. That's why I want to. And, that is so and that's why I'm like, that. I want to sit back. I want to. I, I did. I got my prep done. I had to do some work. I'm good. I want to hear your stories, brother. So tell me a good fucking. Well, you know, I mean, the police were always on our shit, you know. So one time we're playing with the Jerry Garcia band now. This was something that happened to me uh, because being at the right place at the right time. And so as soon as I got off the bus, I went back. San Francisco. I already knew the guys because I'd moved them with Ramrod when people were moving. So now Jerry's standing in front of Alembic where we worked on Judah and Ninth, and we had a, a studio there that Owsley had. And he said, Hey, who's going to take my amp and guitar? Me and Ramrod were standing there, and he said, Would you? Uh, he asked Ramrod, Would you take it over to the Matrix? You know, he was playing with Howard Wales, who was Howie Wowie. Who had the best weed? He is the guy. Just like the Maui Wowie. You guys called him no, Howie. Maui Wowie exactly. came from Howie, Howie Wowie. No way. Howard Wales. Oh, yes. Shut up. He was the pot dealer in the Haight Ashbury. And he had what were called Prince Albert cans. And they opened with a flip top lid. And that's where the word lid came from. I didn't even know. I thought a lid was a leader when I first came out there. And then, no. Hayden Ashbury, the homies there. I swear. I used and to so he was a great musician. He was a good musician. He was in a band called The Green Man, and he was in some crazy bands. Bird, bird, bird is the word, but Jerry loved the way he played, and he right. was great. So they started uh, playing in the nightclubs, and I was lucky enough to be there, and Jerry, I took his amp and guitar, and he, that was a whole world that opened up, man, because we just hung out in all the nightclubs, smoked weed, and then we had the Grateful Dead growing at the same time. So to become part of that world was just incredible. But it all started with me doing a good deed and walking across the street and helping Ramrod lift a cabinet, a base cabinet, which I didn't even know what a base cabinet was. But he began to trying to be of service, so to speak, seeing a duty to help your hand, and that's what you did. A small thing, and that's how you got the job. And that's why I'm saying that's the moral of the story. But it takes years, and there's a moral to it, like oh, oh, how are you coming so legendary by that fucking act? That act led to something like this. I mean, you know, but you had to, you know, you were mentioning, well, you worked for free because you know why you worked for free? Because I was a big, strong kid, right? And our choices were limited in those days as to either you're going to Vietnam or you're going to jail, Steve, because everybody in the band had problems with jail or reform school when we were kids. When I got sent to Rikers, you know what that did for me? That fucking straightened my ass out. Kind of what you need, right? I smartened up. Said, no longer am I going to fall for this bullshit, man. I'm going to. Do I want to be spending my life in a cell? Fuck no. So there, here we are on the road now, and we were big guys, you know, Jackson, Ramrod. They'd come from Pendleton, Oregon, and the, they were pranksters originally with Keezy and the pranksters who were the drug-taking people of all time. And so here they come bringing those guys, and this starts the crew, and LSD was everywhere, the acid tests and the Grateful Dead. So you had to prove yourself. That's right. why you were around. Because you had to be able to take acid, 
big doses. We took what we called heroic doses. <laughs> and still be able to move and work, right? Well, that, and that's function. And, and function. function, you bet. Are you everything? Hey, are you a pussy and you're out of here? And guess what, Joe? We didn't have fucking cell phones. We didn't have oh, yeah. fucking uh, anything. A little piece of paper with a phone number on it to call a promoter. That's your fucking rolling going on a fucking phone that's on the wall and a fucking cord that's hanging on it that you're walking around the kitchen cooking fucking dinner and talking doing business going hold on I'm trying to get this ready and still do this on a cord that's fucking hanging but and you can only go hold on a second why I gotta get the milk out the fridge well we always brought weed though that's one thing we always had with us weed was the thing in our lives man it was everywhere everybody loved it and smoked it because weed is a psychedelic it really is. And if you had the strong stuff, we always had the best, thank goodness. You know, people say now weed is stronger. I mean, weed's stronger now. Some of it's just as good, let me say that. But those strains we were smoking, incredible. Let me ask you, Big Steve, when a band sure. and all this drug talk of the acid and stuff, because I'm just so curious. Okay. From the band standpoint, with the band in the early days, and I say this because I look at myself when I was, I'm from the Bay as well, right? I'm born and raised in San Jose, worked in San Francisco, fucking wild out, all those spots you guys talked about. I remember your radio show. Exactly, yeah, doghouse, yeah, right. exactly, doghouse out there. So it's very popular. Thank you, thank you very much, appreciate that. That being said, I lived that rock. I felt like I was fucking, you know. You were I, there. I, was, I did that all the time. Proper, just started off with two hits, four hits. And then, but, I mean, before you know it, the night's going, I'm eight hits in. And that being said, and then I'm on stage performing. I lived the fucking rock style life, is what I used That's to right. say. That's right. What was that life for the band that's performing? Because I just told you what I did. Uh, before. I perform on stage, and then I keep going and do the morning show the next day. Going, hey, guys, welcome to Cannabis Talk. Or, or, not even Cannabis Talk. It was uh, the doghouse. I'm over here. It's Big Joe on the corner of fucking blah, 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 blah. I've been up for two days, right? Okay, well. So, like, what would the band story be like that? I, I want to tell you. That's a great lead in here. But I'm going to finish the other story I was going to tell real quick about a bus story. Okay? Oh, you know what? Let's take a break real quick and come right back to that story. Because I didn't realize how much time has gone. It's 20 minutes. We've got three segments. Let's go to the take a break. We'll come back to the bus sure. story. It's Cannabis Talk 101. We'll be right back after this. We'll be right back with Cannabis Talk 101. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. 
With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Cannabis Talk 101. You guys, if you're looking for a trusted cannabis seed at a fair price, head to rocketseeds.com or on Instagram at rocket underscore seeds. And if you're looking for some great cannabis folks, I told you, I told you, Grizzly Peak Official and Big Steve Parrish, those right. websites are official like a referee with a whistle. Those are the IGs. The website, yes. BigSteveParish.com and GrizzlyPeakFarms.com. Also, don't forget about that. Now, Big Steve, we were talking before we went to break about the bus okay. story. So here's the thing. You know, on the road, you, you mentioned it. So when you start off and you ain't got a pot to piss in and you're a new band, you're getting busted everywhere, right? Because you were driving. So across, we were driving the trucks across the country with the gear. This is 70s, and aren't smoking late weed. 60s, 70s. So yeah, late 60s, early 70s, yeah. and we had to go everywhere. And you know, uh, truck stops were a dangerous place. Every trucker in those days had uh, speed balls and black beauties and all that stuff, which we used to get across country. But you had to smoke weed. Somebody had to drive all time. We had to get there to, tomorrow. Somebody, nobody was sleeping. <laughs> there's Once no you breaks. the road, there was no sleeping or anything. But there's, there's nine drivers. You were smoking pot. How are you guys doing? Everyone's good! <laughs> Wherever we went, we smelled the fucking place up, the hotel or whatever, you know. And it was pretty cool. There was no security on planes, so we could bring a lot of stuff with us. But we had a lot of tricks. And the thing is this. So when you start and you, you like that, you're getting busted. Then when you make it, when you're playing Madison Square Garden, when you're the top of the fucking pile, guess what? You get police escorts from the police is bringing in the and dope so we're now. Smoking oh, who are you weed telling? in the vans and the limos, and now police are guarding us for keeping other people away. I would tell people I'm bringing the dope in the concerts now. <laughs> it was funny. That's the way life works, man. You know, when you need them, it's all different. But anyway, one time we were on the road with the Jerry Garcia band, and we were in New York City at a club called The Bottom Line. And that night, John Lennon came to the show. It was a great night. Uh, Bernard Purdy, this incredible drummer, sat in. Bill Kreutzmann was playing drums. And uh, we had a great night. And so this friend of mine was a, what you'd call a slightly connected mafioso kid who hung around the Grateful Dead. And he was known pot dealer, okay? And so he says, hey, I'll give you guys, me and Kid, who was my partner working with me in the band as another roadie. And so he said, I'll give you guys a ride up to the hotel. We were staying up at the uh, Ritz. It was actually the Navarro in those days up on Central Park. So I said, yeah, we're going to, we had it, you know, they were going to send a limo back for us. We said, okay, we'll ride with them. I told uh, our road manager, okay, we're going to meet you up uh, at the hotel. We're fine. So. We get in the car, and it was a Chrysler Imperial. I'll never forget this. And it's 4 o'clock in the morning in New York City. And he had a big piece of hash in his pocket up here, a giant hunk of hash, Terry did. And he also, we were smoking this great weed, big, fat bomber joints. And Kid uh, was in the back seat, and he had picked up a gal at the show, and she was in the back seat with him. And we had, I had an ounce of Thai weed in my pocket. It was winter and we had big... I love the old it. names like that. This is take you back. You know what I'm <laughs> right, saying? Oh, right? it took me back. Yes. And Kid had an ounce of Thai weed mm. that people had given us at the show. The good and old so names. here we are going uptown. And then we stop at a red light 
and a police car was parked on the side. And I'll never forget, this red-haired cop was fast asleep with his head against the window. And he opened one eye and he looked at the car and he jumped up and he starts grabbing his partner and pointing at the car. And I'm going to Terry, you know, when you're a kid on the road, you don't look at cops oh, when no. you see them. So you, I was thinking, I said, Terry, what the fuck's going on? Why is that cop doing that, man? Is, something, is this car hot? What's going on yeah. here? Says, Who did something? Right. Nothing. What's going on? As soon as the light changed, we pull over. They jam us over to the curb, man. And the, a car, an unmarked car, four cops come out with guns, man, right on our face. And they keep us there for a while. And go, holy shit, this is bad. We're going to jail. And, that go, <laughs> and so uh, they get on a loudspeaker and they say, don't get out of the car. This car meets the description of a car used in an armed robbery in Brooklyn where a police officer was killed. Oh. Stay in the car. Shit. Holy shit. Here we are coming back from work, you know, and we're tired. And so now they seal off the streets both ways. And now Whoa. a big brass comes. You see fucking guys with all, they were lieutenants and all these big shots. And they had ambulances and paddy wagons. And they're still waiting. And they said, don't get out of the car. We're waiting for a girl. Uh, they need a female officer to search the girl, right? Anyway, then this redheaded cop, he's shaking like a leaf. And he puts, I'm in the shotgun seat. And he puts the gun right to my face, man. He's shaking like this. And I thought it was just going to go off by accident. I put my hands up. I said, I got no guns, man. I don't have a gun. And he says, come on out of the car. He says, okay, uh, what were you doing? I tell him, we're playing with the Jerry Garcia band down here at the bottom line. And... They asked me, they said, hey, who's the owner of the club? And I happened to know the guy's name. I said, Stan Sadowski. And he said, you're right. He's right. That's right. Because it was their beat. And so now. Validation. He's they confirmed. They start searching me. And they do a pat. And they stick his hand. And he grabs that ounce of tie weed. And I go, oh, that's it. He I'm goes, done. he sticks it right back in. He was looking for a fucking weapon. Oh, yeah. And he's patting me, a weapon movie. pat. Very different the than The guy who I'm looking for shot the cop. That's exactly. why I'm looking for a gun. Exactly. And then they start looking around where I was sitting under the seat and in the glove box and all around. And they do the same to Terry. They got him out. They got Kid out. They got the girl out. They're searching us over. They go over everything, man. And they find the weed. And they just keep putting it back in our pockets, right? Then the cop comes over to me and he goes, you know what? If you guys better watch out, we're going to let you go. And you're going to drive uptown, and you better not smoke any more weed because you're going to get busted. And at that time, the Rockefeller law had just come in. So anything over an ounce, you had to do time, mandatory in New York State. We knew that, the Rockefeller law. So they let us go. And they start, everything starts leaving. The helicopters, the fucking ambulances, the paddy wagon, everything goes away. And we start driving uptown, and Terry's like a zombie. I go, what the fuck, Terry? What are you doing? He goes, they never looked in the trunk. He says, they never looked in the trunk. I said, what the fuck's in the trunk, man? He had 28 pounds of weed in a duffel bag in the fucking trunk, oh, man. No! How are they going to not look at that and say something, man? 28 pounds in a big, fat duffel bag like you keep your Little League balls and bats of in. Of course. Man. And I said, holy shit. I went... Somebody up there likes us tonight, man. It was just one of those things, you know. No wonder why he's sitting there like that, right? Like, oh, God, now you're going, oh, fuck. holy shit. How are we going to explain that one? You know, but, wow. And, and then, you know, stuff like that would happen on the road because the road was dangerous, man. It was dangerous if you didn't have your smarts on, man. Like, shit, one who time, ain't kidding? It still is, though. You know what I mean? These oh, yeah. Are still you, learning, better but yeah you better know. Young kids ask me, like, uh, his son goes out 
travels with a band, I said, first thing you do is check everywhere you go. Find out what the marijuana laws are. Find out how they are about cannabis. Who has a card on them? We've got to get some cards in this bus. We've got to get some legal cards. You know what I mean? If it happens, this is what we got to have on the bus. you got to have a medical card. Like, simple, stupid things. There's tricks to the game nowadays, at least, to be like, okay, how many cards can we have to have this much weed on us? Like, the thoughts yep. like that. And when we go to overstate, as long as we have a card in this state, we can take this much with us. We can't take anything with us in that state, even with a card. Like, well, those are those ones, you too. You know, it was always celebrities would come to the shows, and they loved to smoke weed with us. You know, uh, you name it. Down here, we had Dennis Hopper. Paul Newman would come to shows because he had a racing team with our stickers all over his cars, man. There's so many people I could talk to you about. Frank Sinatra, I met him with Jerry one night. We had the greatest time with that guy, man. I mean, and it was just crazy because you guys just took over the country. Being, especially the band, being a Bay Area, and it's funny for me being Bay Area, I right. feel like, you know... There's times in my life where I feel like I literally felt like a rock and roll band member of like because I lit all those hate Nash. I've done all those spots. I bought acid on those fucking corners. Literally, I grew up that way. You know what I mean? I grew up. Well, I was born yeah. in '72, but I you know you guys were doing that already. But that shit was still all around. Oh, and it was the greatest place. It's still around right now on Hate Nashberry, folks. Course. Go over there of right course. now. Of course. I mean, shit. Who are we kidding? Well, we you would, can probably uh, find it now. Every day, we'd go up to Golden Gate Park and get high. Still there. That was what everybody yeah. did, you know? And you met there, and, and it was a trip to just go around a beautiful park like that. I mean, and all the Bill Graham things you guys used oh, to do. Bill was the Bill best. Was the best too. And you you know, guys' productions were fucking the, uh, huge. acid test, Bill would walk around with a clipboard, even though he would take it all. He'd take the drugs, too, but he always was in charge kind of thing. And we really miss him to this day, man. What a great guy. But he was open to take everything. He would take acid with us. And when you work for the Grateful Dead, you had to be know able that. to handle so cool. that. You had to be able to handle that. Man. And when you say take it, like, because I think of that, like, back when, when I'm doing the show or something. like dose, uh, People would dose you if you didn't take it yourself. That's what I mean. That, and, and it was that peer pressure that was real kind of peer pressure around back then. Well, that's why I got to work really hands-on with Pigpen a lot, too, because he liked to drink, and nobody else did. Him and Janice, they would drink Southern Comfort and Rainier Ale. Why? Because everybody hated the taste of those things and nobody else was drinking. So they would drink all this Southern Comfort and get fucked up. And people thought that LSD was a cure for alcoholism, even though they weren't alcoholics. They, so everybody was always trying to dose them and they hated, they both did not like to take acid. So I promised Pig that I would never dose him. So I got to take care of his gear. Uh, and he was a great guy. And loved lived the blues life and was the center of the band musically in so many ways but when you talk about the uh, lsd experience with playing music in those days we had nothing but strobe tuners and it was the guys couldn't tune they would just see these lights we'd go bing 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 you had to tune them up and they they would get hung up on it and nobody was in tune so i can only imagine they that didn't like great they didn't like playing at those because they would right. never because it was crazy it would music. fucking tweak you i could see you took me there like i, I could imagine partying uh, we did I, not I, I know it, yeah and you're like whoa you know we didn't know the dose we were taking joe was so powerful yeah, been, so we yeah. were doing things to ourselves. If you were fairly sane individual, you were holding on for dear life yeah. sometimes. But <laughs> there were nuts around there. And we had friends coming back from Vietnam, and they were taking acid, and you had to just realize something. They needed to be talked to for a minute, man. They were fucking having a And they may lose it. Oh, so and they did. It. Yeah. They did it. But if a girl hugged him or a guy hugged him even, it would calm out. It was amazing. 
Love. love. Love always wins. Love always wins, Joe. It fucking always did. I always agree with that. I remember one time getting stopped in Albany, New York, and I had a pound of weed in my, a quarter pound of weed, a Colombian in my suitcase. It was on road stop, and so the cops take me in, and then it was a Sunday. They call, the judge comes in, and he says to me, what band? Grateful Dead. He goes, Grateful Dead? My daughter will kill me if I give you. Well, he says, give me a hundred bucks and get out of here. A hundred bucks for a fucking quarter pound of weed and. Here's 150. Somebody <laughs> has stuck a cocaine envelope in my pocket. And I don't. And then. Sure. <laughs> somebody. And I don't know how it got there. And, I, and, I and, and the it. pocket was already buttoned again. <laughs> <laughs> and when you get stopped in New Jersey. Oh, that was the worst, right? One night we're driving in a truck and Johnny Hagen, he was on the crew with us. And me and him and Ramrod in this truck. And Hagen. He was a crazy guy, man, and he, his, his watch stopped, right? So he throws the fucking watch out the window on the Jersey Turnpike, and where does it land? Right on a cop's windshield, man. Bam! It hit his car. He pulls us over and finds the weed. We had weed. I'm trying to put it away, and it was, I was too slow. He caught us. And so they take us in. They hang us up from poles in the fucking barracks where they stayed and put, like, meat they hung us up. And they were showing all the cops as they changed uh, schedule. They go, hey, look, look what we caught. These Grateful Dead. These guys are great. That's the Grateful Dead oh, hanging out right there. It, man. They loved it. Look oh, at the Grateful Dead hanging out here. Exactly. And they would tease you like that, you know, but you learned pretty quick to stay out of their way. And a lot of good things happened at times uh, where on the road being high actually worked for your advantage. What do you mean? I mean that. When you were free and you were on acid, right? So you get stopped sometimes. And you're talking to a cop. You could get on top of him. I could look in his eyes and, and figure him out right away. That was something the pranksters taught us. When you get stopped. Now, they were in a psychedelic bus going across America in the early 60s taking acid. And it's so funny because I'm there where I, I see what you mean. Ken Kesey. I've taken enough acid to know Beth, exactly what and you so, mean. And, they and for those that. who do, then you're probably right there with us. For those that can't follow along, well, they, they, God bless you. You just haven't taken enough. And you figure out where the guy's at. There's usually some connection, football, military, something. Totally. And you know what's funny? You, you turn that in life now even because I've used those psychedelic terms to use in life. Like when I'm talking to somebody, almost like find my relationship with you and fucking figure it out. But when you're high like that, it's just all these things perfect. Exactly. And, you know, they really knew that a pot smoker is not going to kick the windows out of the car. It just didn't happen. But guys that were drunk, oh, yeah. That was so the, the Grateful Dead used to get away with a lot of stuff because, okay, you guys aren't sitting there drinkers and drunk. Yeah, yeah but, uh, you know, like, for instance, when we went to New Orleans, there was a famous bust in 69. <laughs> and that was Jim Garrison, the guy who uh, was famous in the Kennedy movie uh, for bringing uh, Oswald to trial. Well, he was dead, but bringing the whole thing to trial. But anyway, he did not want New Orleans to turn into Haight-Ashbury. And so he was down on weed. The airplane warned the band, you're coming to the warehouse, they're going to bust you. Now, Pigpen, who always stayed in touch with all the people that worked in the hotel, he would share a bottle of liquor with them or something. They liked him. So he would always tell us, tip us off. Well, they've been snooping around. They're, looking, they're waiting for you guys tonight. So we'd clean up. <laughs> but in those days, uh, Mickey had Mickey Hart. He had four roaches in his pocket of a jacket. Four roaches, and boy, you should have seen the cop holding everybody chained up. Uh, Do you see this? Hey, look at this. We got yeah. him. We got I can him. Imagine. He was so happy because it was a felony, a fucking felony. Four, four roaches. roaches, man. What they do? Uh, we got to draw. We drew straws, and Jackson and Owsley and Ramrod ended up with short straws. They had to get suits. What do you call a roadie with a suit? 
defendant. 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 Mm. That's the only time we put suits on and ties. And so anyway, those guys had to go back and go for trial. But we had some great lawyers in San Francisco who knew how to fix it up in New Orleans. Oh, that's always uh, nice. Stepanian and uh, K.O. Hallinan. These guys went to bat for us when the house got busted at, in the hate. Uh, you know, because it was a big deal. A pound of weed, that was the end of the world. You know, is it fair to say, I'm going to make a statement about the Grateful Dead that I think is a fair statement. Steve, Dave, chime in too, but I don't know. I'm just making this analogy that I foreseen. Is it a fair statement to say that the Grateful Dead was probably the first band that went out and toured and was viciously known for the cannabis smoking, hence the nowadays Snoop Dogg fucking... Era of, oh, of, of the, you know, pick the next rapper too, but you know what I mean? Grizzly, whoever. But is it fair to say, possibly, that the Grateful Dead was possibly the first band to tour that was notoriously known? Let's just call it drugs all over, over the place, let alone cannabis. But I mean, because Grateful Dead was known in my head as everything. When I think of the Grateful Dead, I'm thinking acid, coke, and I'm going to concert. Because, I'm doing it all, right? Because why? Because we're. I feel like we're all doing it, meaning the band's doing it, I'm doing it at a Grateful Dead park concert. So when you go to a hip-hop concert and the, the, you're smoking weed, I'm smoking weed, he's smoking weed. So I had that same feel when I think about going well, to yeah. a Grateful Dead, right? Well, you know, we so isn't it like fair that. to say they were the first band to have to deal with the, tr Definitely. Definitely. the troubles of fucking dealing with touring? Legend has it 420 is, is originated. Yeah, it started with, out of our warehouse. You know that, Joe, Valley. 420? You Please. Heard, you heard no, it, I haven't have heard this heard one. Of, have you heard of 420? I've heard of 420 being started from some gentlemen that were at a school and this and that. And they, they were at San Rafael High, was, around yeah, the corner from, from our us. warehouse. Yes. And they came was, over at 420 every day. Please tell. Okay, then. I didn't and know that had tied off. in you we guys. I didn't off. know that tied in you guys. Tell but, the whole story, that uh, the legitimate story that I've heard, which is funnier, that Be Real, of all people, oh. shout out to Be Real, is... He was uh, on Power 106 with us at the time, many moons ago. This is the story that I remember from him. And then I remember Mark Wasserman, uh, many years later, refreshing my memory of the same story. So that's why when you say, how do you hear the story, Joe? That's where I came up from this story, you guys. It's not like, oh, I just pulled it out of my ass. And then I've heard it from a well, few other people. But uh, these are two strong people. And apparently, this is the man that was there. Well, also, there was a, a police code in Marin County that 420 was possession of marijuana for a while. They changed it long ago but it's amazing how once you everybody in the world focuses on that it becomes a thing you know and it's a good thing it's a real good thing it also happens to be ramrod's birthday and uh, another nefarious character from history who led germany in the thir in the 30s and 40s i'm not going to mention his name but he was born that day too mm. but we don't celebrate that we never break the weed and the weed is the best thing joe on the road i watched my brothers they're all dead now they're all dead. Literally. Most of them are fucking dead. All the roadies, too? They're so dangerous. I'm talking about the roadies. Oh, yeah. And Most the, of yeah. the band's still alive, right, right. except for Jer and a couple of the other guys. All the piano players died. But it's a dangerous world. And the thing is about pot, it ain't a gateway drug. It keeps you off all that shit, man. The guys who stuck with weed didn't end up overdosing on fucking heroin, didn't fucking end up ruining their lives with blow or pills or fucking... You know, uh, opiates, because this stuff is the most amazing gift ever to us on this planet. I agree. And people don't understand. You know, if you, you know, I argue with people about, they talk about the Bible and where the land of Canaan, that's on cannabis. That was the best cannabis in the world. When we went to Egypt, I want to tell you something. 
Jerry and I and Ken Kesey, we were at the pyramids all that day. We played with the only band to ever play in front of the Great Pyramid, man. And we had to go through a lot of hoops. But it was a magic time where Jimmy Carter was in peace talks with the Arabs and the Jews, and they fucking made an opening of peace. And so we were able to go there to the pyramids. They let us go. We had to one build of the a, seven wonders of the world. One of the world. I mean, of the world. you know, it's only that one of the one sevens. You know what I mean? So we went over to the Kesey, Ken Kesey, myself, and Jerry went over to the Cairo Museum, right? And they, before we left the states, they taught us. They made us go see the King Tut exhibit. Where you saw all his gold oh, I would love to see and that. all the beautiful I've been to San Jose. Things. I've seen the one in San Jose. I, yeah, I, I, I've been well, there. Well, that one. You yeah. Know, oh, at the at, museum yeah, down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. My know, point is, I love right. that stuff. I went to the one in San Jose. Yeah, I would well, love to see uh, that there. He, he, the stuff that he ha- was buried with was incredible: gold sarcophagus, all these beautiful chariots and things. But still left in the museum in Cairo was the everyday stuff. So we're over there looking through it. Here's Jerry on my side, Ken Kesey over here, and I'm looking. I say, guys, look. A basket full of cannabis sativa seeds. I said, there's a proof right there. Pharaoh wasn't going to the next world without his cannabis, man. And it's amazing. And so I, we had a driver, this guy Wahab. He followed me everywhere. He was great. Whatever we needed in Cairo, he would go get for me. I said, Wahab, come here. We brought weed there with us, right? And he never, they all smoked hash. They all had the best hash ever. Hash from the Bekaa Valley and from Egypt and all that area it was the strongest, best. The Grateful Dead wrote songs about it. Brown-eyed women and red grenadine and uh, the hash was clean. I mean, it's amazing. And so we smoked gold Lebanese and red Lebanese hash all the time. And when you were there, everybody was offering you beautiful hash, but we had weed. We had to go, we couldn't go anywhere without weed, so we figured out a way to get it there. And so I saw Wahab, a joint. I said, Wahab, this is marijuana. You go and find me some. And he said, Mr. Steve, I have never seen this. He's seen hash his whole life. I said, if they're growing hash, if they've got hash, they got pot somewhere. <laughs> and, and I said, I'm just saying, you can't get this without that. And he said, me, he said to me, is good for sex? I said, the best for sex, the best thing in the world, Wahab. He takes off in his taxi. I don't see him for two days. He comes back with a little box, a wooden box full of seeds. And I don't even think he gave, he, we exchanged money or anything. He gave it to me, stashed it. We brought it home. And we kept it alive with our friends. We were on the road all the time. So I gave those seeds to our trusted buddies who grew in Mendocino right. and up in Sonoma Hills. and in The growers, the homies. The yeah, real yeah, growers yeah, yeah. who knew what they were doing. The bear, yeah. And so every few years, we made more seeds. And so when I met Grizzly Peak, I brought those out. This was our sacred stash. Because if you let, in those days, if the powers that be, the feds, all were working on those counties that I'm talking about. And they would jump in on helicopters with guns and whatever and take the weed. So we kept it quiet because once you got a name for a strain, they wanted to eradicate it. They did it on purpose. Of course. That's what happened to the weed. It actually is dumbed down a little bit by mixing it out of Amsterdam. They dumbed it down because people were driving into the fucking canals on the real weed. When we first went to Amsterdam, weed was so strong there, and the hash, too. And, and tourists were just going crazy. They were walking through plate doors and fucking driving in, into the canals. So they, they dumbed it down. They mixed it with hemp, ruderalis, Russian 
road weed. <laughs> you see, the Russians were always growing hemp forever. They got a history of it. That's why the War of 1812 was fought, because every navy needed canvas for the sails and rope. No rope is made without hemp, and hemp and cannabis are the same plant, which cracks me up that the federal government makes hemp legal, not realizing they've already made cannabis, cannabis legal. legal. Because it's the same thing. Somebody needs to take that to the Supreme Court and get their asses kicked because the Supreme Court... See if I go crazy out. when I think of that sometimes. I go crazy when it's a Schedule One. This is the greatest gift, and they're playing that game? <laughs> Can I just tell you one thing, Joe, yes. real quick? You know, this uh, doctor who actually worked in the federal government, he's the guy that wrote it. Todd Micaria was his name, and he came to the Grateful Dead warehouse when 215 passed in California and gave us all our medical licensing. And he wrote a book about cannabis history of medicine. Now, in 1882, the British were in India. India is a cannabis-loving country. The whole place, man. They don't like to talk about it, but it's part of their sacred stuff. They do it. They have temples devoted to it. And so uh, up in the Bengal provinces is the strongest weed in the world, man. Anyway, so when the British, this guy's a British doctor, and he goes, I'm going to go out and follow the Ayurvedic doctors of India and see what they do in 1880s. And so he went and followed these guys in Calcutta, and they said, sure, come with us. And a baby, a one-month-old baby, was having an epileptic fit. That, to this day, is the worst thing a doctor can see. A one-month-old baby... Anybody can see. You're close to death, and this poor infant, what can you do? The doctor didn't panic, the Indian doctor. He went to a drawer, and he opened it, and he took out a vial, and he unscrewed it, and he stuck his finger in it, and he stuck it under the baby's tongue. And about 30 seconds later, that kid calmed out completely. And they... Uh, Dr. O'Shaughnessy was his name, the British guy. He took that back to England, and it became a craze in England in the 1880s. They had hash parlors everywhere, man. Everybody was smoking hash. It spread all over Europe, man. Paris, everybody was doing that, and French wine of Mariani, which was wine with cocaine in it. And in America, in take 19- it easy, not Joe. a bad mix. Take, take it easy, Joe. Dave, you probably have some in your fucking trunk. Joe, this is what he was talking about on the show. Just want to show you a bottle of it. I'm gonna have to come back for part two. I just have Joe. one. I just have one left, but I just wanted to show you. I know you're not gonna partake, but this is what it looked like. But we're gonna have to do a part two because there's so much more. Oh, there's just so much, so much great stuff. We're gonna well, and not, and not only that, but when we come back, though, we got a break real quick. I, I actually want to go back and talk about. This beautiful thing, this how the, the correlation of bringing the strain that you did right. to Grizzly Peak right. and bringing that because yeah. I didn't realize that amazing story. That story is magical, dog. That now takes it to the next level of what this strain is. Like I did not know well, that historical. I but but I know but that, like I got chills. Like seriously, you know what oh, I mean? Like yeah. I got chills thinking of now the strain. Like it, it just changes the whole level hearing that story of the thousands history. of years old. That's what I mean. It's a different story. Five thousand years. I they feel were smoking that. hash in the Bible, man. And this right here has been when you say Grateful Dead, like you just heard where these fucking seeds of the strain came from. It's a thousand year old strain history historical story. It's beyond I'm laughing, smiling, going, We gotta come back and talk about it. It's Cannabis Talk right. 101. I'll be right back after this. If you don't know, you better go look it up. Grizzly, come on, Grizzly Peaks. I I love this. This is phenomenal. We'll be right back after this. We'll be right back with Cannabis Talk 101.
Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com news and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com news. Identity theft protection starts here. Welcome back to Cannabis Talk 101. Canna Aid, you guys, if you haven't heard me talk about it, Canna Aid has the widest selection of cannabinoids. Now, they carry products with all the cannabinoids you've heard of and some, of course, that you haven't. And that's what's so dope about this spot. Check out the website, CannaAidShop.com, hashtag CannaFactory. I really like what they're doing over there. And, of course, you guys, this show, Cannabis Talk 101 with Blue and Joe Grande, of course, is the world's number one source for everything cannabis. Thank you guys for listening around the world on the iHeartRadio app. And uh, if you're looking for this show, make sure you keyword Cannabis Talk 101 and you can find it. But I want to thank our entire staff here for doing so much that they do. And uh, the show wouldn't be what it is without them. I want to thank Jan, Erica, Daniel, Cal. Daniel is the one that's yelling at everybody too, Steve, the way, by the way. And Cal, Christian A, Christian S, Danny P. Funk, Connor, Kimberly, Selena Sager, Brianna, Cash, Cam, Salar, Nadia, Al, Pitt, Chris Franquino, Jennifer, and Elvis. And of course, uh, Blue is on the road right now doing some other big things. And Big Steve, your stories are endless. The brand, like I said, I want to I get back to this beautiful history. And I want to get Dave's input because Dave... Sure. As I heard that, and this story comes to you, dude, I can only imagine being a... Like, I put myself in your shoes, right? And I'm going, better yet, I can only tell you what I'm thinking, but it doesn't matter. What were you thinking when you heard that story and they're going to partner with you? What did you feel and think? Because that story is fucking great. Well, hey, man, if, you, if you're a fan, you're a fan. If you're a head, you're a head, and you're, you're either part of the village or you're not, or you get it or you don't. And, you know, we've been following him for a long, long time, since 86, when I was just coming out of high school. And uh, one of the guys works with me, Byron, he's a big fan. We've been going to shows since we were 20. We've been to hundreds of shows. 
So it we, makes it that much more special. Oh, you you know? be, oh, yeah. We talked a little bit about it last time I was on, but uh, all of a sudden we get a call. We had met a manager at the Sweetwater Music Venue up in Marin. We had left some product back behind because Bob could come and did a private show with a uh, little cover band. Uh, Bill Walt was there. And so when we left our, our, our product behind, I get a call a week later from that manager and says, I got somebody that wants to talk to you. And Big Steve takes over the phone going, hey, this is some of the best weed we've ever had. I, I, I got to meet you. I want to be part of it. And I'm, I'm going, hold on a second. Hey, Byron, come in here. I'm going to put this on speaker. Shut because up. Because you got to remember, we, he's been on the radio for a long time, Joe. I mean, these some of these stories, you know, if you've been following him as long as we I, have, I, no, no, of course. Steve's a legend. And not it? only is he a legend, and, and to top it off, and I hate to say this because it makes it sound like I'm hurting my elbow, but for him to know my history, he's a, he knows everything. He's a part of the fucking culture. I was a part of the culture. I don't have to hurt myself, pounding myself on the back, but when he tells me about me, I, and of course about, I know about him, he's beyond knowledgeable about everything. He's a fucking genius. I, I, I'm going to go out there and say he's probably the most knowledgeable rock and roll historian on the planet at the moment. I'm not going to argue I'm it. I'm just telling you. I, mean, I, I agree. I'm not arguing. You know, now it's three years deep of a friendship and brotherhood. He's, Hearing him talk, folks, uh, th throw, throw whoever else next to him. And there's no script in front of him. No fucking calendar dates, no nothing. I'd agree with it. I'm saying uh, it's arguably throw the next name on the list and let's see them go. Because it's a great it conversation. that drugs do not dent your memory. You know what I mean, Steve? It's like, dude, this guy's <laughs> talking alcohol. off the hip. It's the alcohol. He's right. talking off the hip coming off that shit. And it's like, what did he say? So you get this call. You're listening to him. You tell your partner, listen to this. And what's that feeling like? We're elated, and I'm thinking, all oh, this is bullshit. There's no way. I mean, I'm getting punked. The, the, I am. This this meeting's never gonna. I mean, we're true fans, Joe. I mean, you know, they're a they're, they're getting ready to go out on tour, and we're going to the first five shows. We'll be first five every Rem other day. regardless, knowing them or not. I'm going. No matter what, but to get top that, ticket, I'm buying. But to get that ticket, and then he comes. He, he schedules it for three weeks later. He shows up with his buddy Herbie Herbert. Founder of Journey, Legend, yeah, exactly. founder of Journey, oh, yeah. Hall of I'm Fame, known, you know, know, know his name. best buddy. He knows Herbie. I know, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? We know the names, yeah, I know. And, 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 and so for those guys to pull up in our factory in Oakland, we get out of the car, I'm a little nervous, and I want to go inside, and he breaks out an old 10. I mean, I got it. He breaks out this old 10 that he's got, and he's pulling out a joint. He gives one to Herbie. He gives one to me. He's got these pre-packs. And he's truly telling us that he's got the seed history, that this is, you know, he's, he, he helped us come out with our layout of what these are all about. Because that was the metal can he brought. That's the metal can And you kind of fucking just did that. And from I see that, what you're they, they ended up staying six hours, him and Herbie, hung out, smoked weed. We ended up going to dinner. Herbie invested with us. He came on as our, you know, ambassador. And, I mean, that was one of the best days of my life. And then to have this friendship since... This is off the phone. And this not only awesome. friendship, I feel I the friendship. I feel guy. the brotherhood because he's so genuine. I feel the brotherhood. Right. Right? And I know we do because there's there's just certain moments either you get it or you don't. And when you're having a conversation with a man and either right. you get it or you don't, hence I had it with you. I just had it with him. And I know we had it. Exactly. I'm going to get his fucking number before he leaves because we have that, we have that feel that the men, you know what you have. And a woman, you have it with a woman too. That is so remarkable to think that that's how it came and that's what the strain is and that's the history of what folks can be smoking from Grizzly Peak. I may have heard it the first time, but it doesn't resonate like this, the way the man says it from his mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if we heard that story like that ever in my life, to be honest with you, because that to me is a story that I'm going to try and like share. It's that touching to me and it's that deep of like, not only do I say 
and it ties into my family. Why is it my family, Dave? Because I'm part of the Grizzly Peak family, like you know, in my head. Like in my head, it ties into Joe's family. So when I share their story, dog, it's, I feel like I'm part of this. It's how stupid I feel. You are. Well, because everyone at your family got to enjoy that nice, specially. And I have my joint from Grizzly Peak too. So as right. weird as I feel, like I feel like I'm part of this story. Is I'm, I'm going to claim it. Right. That's a big honor. I'm I'm a part of this family story. It's how I feel in my gut. I'm just telling you how I feel when I share the story. Guess what my family did? What do you mean my family? Well, my 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 fucking my. You don't haven't seen my pre-roll? What do you mean my family? My Grizzly Peak family. I got my Cannabis Talk 101 family. But big yeah. Steve, hold on. I'll call him right now. What do you mean, Big Steve? You ever heard the stories? <laughs> you get well, on the phone. I know he will. What do you I'm, I'm gonna fucking do it one day. Of I'm gonna fucking FaceTime somebody who's a hugest big Steve fan. I'm anytime, like, hey Steve, Joe, I, I know you're like that. I, I, I already know that. you're like that without even fucking knowing I and asking you. What you're doing here, you're doing a very good thing here. And also, you know, it's a brotherhood that we have with this stuff. You know, you're smoking a cigar right now. I want to tell you something funny. And uh, years on the road, we they started when uh, the first Bush president. Grab it, grab it, grab it. They went zero tolerance. And so all of a sudden now, smoking in hotels was out and all this stuff that we'd done for years. So we came up with really interesting ways. We smoked on airplanes by taking out the, the uh, drains and letting it all go down. The roadies knew how to do it right. As soon as a musician went in there, they'd stink the whole fucking plane. How do I do this, guys? Yeah, Steve, exactly. get in here. They didn't understand how you had to keep that right down the Why drain. Why are you so fucking big, Steve? Boy, we get lost some good Maui Wowie down that fucking I could imagine. Slow hole. But anyway, I, I want to tell you that, uh, you know, we all fought for, fought for this. And to have my name on a joint, you know wow. what that means to me? And that it can be bought legitimately and that we've done it successfully in California. The Grateful Dave and the Big Steve, people love them. And the thing about that is, is you go from spending a night in jail for it and now you're seeing people being able to smoke free and legitimate. That means so much to me. I don't care any other thing, but no one should ever go to jail for this stuff. Never. And not only that, folks, if you want to feel what I feel and feel what you're hearing and you're in the L.A. area, you can actually go out and meet, meet Big Steve on the tent at the L.A. Kush right. store, which is 5470 Viley Boulevard in Los Angeles. It's tomorrow. You probably missed it. Uh, actually, we and then that, 611 yeah. is going to be at PAX and SGV. But bottom line, you can find the cannabis there at these dispensaries as well. Grizzly Peak will be at Shakedown Street before the Grateful Dead show at yep. Dodger Stadium as well. So just go to the Grizzly Peak website, of course, and all the things. Once again, BigSteveParish.com and GrizzlyPeakFarms.com. Instagram, Grizzly Peak Official and Big Steve Parish. And Big Steve, what we like to do. What we've done with, of course, Dave. And Dave, I just want your answers because you're here. Sure. You'll go right after Big Steve. We like to do the high five with all the great guests that come on. Okay. So we just like to ask five questions. We'll start with Steve. Then we'll go to you, Dave. Which we've had you on, but I want you to still answer because it's fun. Question number one. How old are you the first time you smoked cannabis and where'd you get it from? I was just 15. And I, this girl and I were making out <laughs> in a park. And her boyfriend caught us. And me Hold and on. Him, her boyfriend? Yeah. Hey, hey, she didn't tell me she had a boyfriend. She, she sort of hinted about it. His name was Kevin O'Keefe. And he wanted to fight. Shout out and to I Kevin. Said, Kevin, I said, I just kissed her a couple of times, but we got it. We brawled. You know, we fought. And then he felt bad. It blacked my eye, but whatever. And then he said to me, come here. And we went way around out in these bushes by the back of the baseball field and he had a bush there and he pulls out a thing and he opens up a tin foil and in it was some gnarly looking weed man real gnarly weed man in six, 19 this is 1965 
And so we roll it up. He shows me how to roll it. And we, we, we sit down in the park and we smoke these joints. And uh, the next day I went back. He showed me. And he put it away. And we smoked it. And he, and, and he said, you'll get higher and higher every time you use it. Well, the next day I went and stole the stash. And, and that was it. I, I I'd already knew I'd, I'd got his worst shot. So we had to fight again. But anyway, uh, what an amazing fucking story, dude! So, uh, hey, Dave, he goes down as the history and storyteller. But I'm telling you, I mean, not only historian but horse storyteller too. But I want to tell you something. From that day on, I never missed a single. I don't know many people, even in jail. When I was in Rikers Island, the first thing um, they said they brought me up, and that's tears, like prison. A guy says, "Hey." You want to buy a joint, kid? I said, no, I don't want one right now. That was the only time I didn't smoke. Because every jail, there's drugs. And, and the best thing is cannabis for common people out. They would have so many less problems. Cannabis is great in prison. Jail, everything. <laughs> they, they, let everybody smoke. Think, they make pruno, and they get all buzzed up on alcohol, and they want to fight. They they still, fight the the people still haven't got it. But anyway, to digress. Uh, yeah, so I started smoking every day. And because the Grateful Dead... You know, we would be going to all these places, straight places, and they'd all ask us, boy, you guys get to do everything. The, the stagehands would see us from the, you know, up in the lights, and they'd go, you guys just get to smoke pot all day, and all this beautiful scene, this party going on, you know. All these stars, Jane Fonda's and whatever's coming there to see us, and all the movie people, and, and uh, it, it looked like a glamorous life. And they said, and we get drug tested. And do you guys get drug tested? I go, yeah, we get drug tested. If we don't have drugs, we get in fucking trouble, man. <laughs> it's a different kind of world we live in. That's a real type of test that you guys would get, and that and is fucking I gotta for real. I got to tell you this. I just remember but you mentioned me being Jerry's best man, right? So he got married. The most formal marriage of anybody in the Grateful Dead. Everybody else just got married hippie style, you know, by a guy who got his license in the back of a, a matchbook or from something like that, the Universal Church online. So here's Jerry does it at the Tiburon Yacht Club, and we had a ceremony up at the church in Sausalito, a real beautiful old church, right? And so... We're in the rectory, and I'm there helping him dress. He's, he's mad as hell, man, because he was late a little bit. And so I'm helping him get dressed. And he says, light up a joint. And I look at him, I said, Jerry, we're in the rectory of the church. Of course, I had one with me. I said, I, I feel a little weird smoking in here. He said, light it up, man. And he never said something like that. He always would, you know, well, okay, we'll wait or something. But, man, I just lit it right up and gave it to him. He smoked that, man, and calmed him down. And the whole church stunk of weed, man, because it was such a little place, man. But oh, that's so great. It was so great to have him because uh, he loved it, and, and he always was a pot smoker. And we'd, read, we'd smoke joints and then read the old underground comics, you know, R. Crumb and the Furry Freak Brothers and all. They were all about weed, you know. And so our whole world was about weed, and we loved it, and we lived it. And, and that's what you did. Smoke it every fucking From day. 15 to then. What about you, Dave? That's awesome. Yeah, I think I, you know, talked about that's... last time I was here, but you know, we were doing work on a, a neighbor's property and uh, ended up raking up what, you know, didn't look like regular kind of leaves and kind of then figured it out. You know, we didn't have any phones to Google. We were about 15 as well. Yeah, right. We were right in that range. That's Rolled it up, great. went back to Monterey because we were out in Watsonville, I think, doing some work. 
uh, grandparents had a ranch out there, so we just somehow got work. Love Watsonville, yeah. Got work and uh, some farming hands. That's right. Mm-hmm. I know four, the area. Four, four Live Oak Road. You know Four Live Oak Road. I mean, yeah. I don't know the streets, but I know the area, and All I know right. and I know the work right. that's out so there. I'm, it's it's I'm, agriculture. I'm, I'm, that's okay. All right. So you know, <laughs> I was San Jose on the east side. James Lick High. Right. Here we go. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, we had a chicken ranch. Jim All Plunkett right. went to the same school as I did. All right. There we go. Oh wow. Yep. Cool. Yep. 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 That's a good history there. So that's good. Question number two of the high five, Big Steve and Dave okay. Gash. What's your favorite way to use cannabis? I'll tell you that real quick. Smoking a joint. And I'll tell you why. Because the temperature is so important that your body receives the smoke. And Owsley, the first thing he ever taught me, and he taught so much. He was another genius of types. And he would always say, first of all, when you lit a joint, in those days we used matches, you know. And he said, first let that smoke, that sulfur, go away. Then you bring it up to the joint and take that hit and exhale that first one. But then what you've got now is the perfect burning temperature for your lungs. Now, I've talked to people about this. I love every way people ingest weed, but that's why I smoke pot in a joint form. Because it's, it sounds poetic. It's very good. You know, you'll take uh, too big a hit off a bong and it cools down the smoke. In your lungs, it starts tarring up. And that's why you have those horrendous coughs. But I love it all, man. Everything's safe in the cannabis world. I actually believe that it's the best medicine known to man. I, I can't argue with you. Big and, Dave? Well, I'm going to go with the convenience of the seven-pack, Joe. Always <laughs> got a dog walker. You can light it up, put it back. You got plenty for the day. I'm going to go with the seven-packs. And that's the seven-pack from Grizzly Peak? Yes, it is. There it is. Okay. That's a good way to fucking seven favorite pack. way to wait. All Craziest right. place I mean, if it gets, if you have a fucking crazier oh, place, on, Steve, man. than the church, if you have of a crazy, I do, man. <laughs> you know, when you were saying it, I was like, is he answering the number three question? And I'm hoping that you're not. So, question number three of the high five from Big Steve from the Grateful Dead, of course, Dave Gash from Grizzly Peak. What's the craziest place you've ever used cannabis or smoke? Okay, I'm going to try to be as briefly as possible. But when we went to Europe in 1972... Feel free, you don't have to be. You can talk. Oh, okay. You just have to do something soon. (laughs) Yeah, I got to do something in a few minutes. But uh, when we went to Europe in 1972, we had to take LSD with us, okay? Had to, folks. And so Owsley was in prison at the time. He had gotten (laughs) caught. Perfect time uh, for the sirens. (laughs) We actually smoked pot in San Pedro prison with him when we went did a Grateful Dead show. The guards threw me the keys. We drove up to the gate, man, down in San Pedro here, and and it was Terminal Island, and and it was a guard tower, and the guy said, you're the band? Yeah. He throws me down a ring of keys. He said, open the the gate, man. And I opened the gate, and he said, what should I do with the keys? He said, leave them hanging there. I'll come down and get them later. He says, you pull up to that building right there. We pull up. This is a federal prison security, man. Yeah. Yeah. And Ozzy was in there. It was the library we pulled into, but... Either uh, way, it's on the fucking prison campus. We unloaded seven, uh, our, our gear, about five tons of gear, into that building in the library, and nobody searched anything. And so we loaded that place up, man. I won't, I won't go into that at this moment, but... Uh, he was anyway, taken care of while he was in prison. So he was in prison, and so we go... You did Europe, what you had to do for your boy. I get it. Say less. So he entrusted Ramrod to mix up a batch of acid, and he did a mistake. It was too, too strong. strong. Was, we didn't realize it at the time. And so when we were over there, we're having these horrendous... Now we're taking... You take two drops, you're taking 20. You're taking one, you're taking 10. Oh! So we start off, Phil Lesh and, and Ramrod and I, we go over to Notre Dame. We're in Paris. 
we go to Notre Dame and we're walking around, man. We can't believe how beautiful this place is. Of man. course. We're sitting there looking at this giant mandala spinning around. Every like color shining so bright. And so now Ramrod and I are looking around and I say, come on, let's we open the door. And here's these steps, worn out steps from ancient footprints. We walk them up. A spiral staircase goes on and on. Granite steps, man, worn down. And here we come to the, we're on the roof of Notre Dame. And there the gargoyles are. And now Ramrod, I love the guy. He's, he's gone now, but he only read half of Tom Sawyer his whole life. So I was telling him, I said, this is, these are the gargoyles, man. Look at yeah. them, man. This is the hunchback. History, of yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a little room up there. I won't go into it, but I, it was the bell ringer's room. It was just like it always was, black glass. Oh, so old. You know, glass is made from sand and heat. And you could tell in those days they made it so old it was still blackened up. I felt so bad when that fire happened. So anyway, we're up there a while looking over <laughs> Paris, and we're high as a kite. So we go we go downstairs and we walk out of there and we go over to the Louvre now. Now I'm going to tell you the point where I smoked the joint. So we're walking down a hallway, me and Ram, and I appreciate and this we by see the way. An easel here, and there's a small little thing on. We walk over. I said, "Grab him." I said, "Ram, it's the Mona Lisa." No, 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 and even he knew. He da, went, da, 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 da. And so she's looking at us, and we're looking at her, and we're moving, and she's following right. us, and we're tripping out. Fuck you know? yeah. And nobody was around but us, man, and her. And so I look over, and there's a little balcony with these French doors. You know, you open them, and beautiful lace curtains. And I said, we got to smoke a joint, Ram. And we pull, I pull out this bomber that we had because we brought some weed with us, you know. And so we open the doors, and, and we go down on this stingy little balcony, and we're blowing this beautiful joint, man, and looking out over Paris. And we keep looking back at the Mona Lisa. Well, anyway, about a minute later, I hear whistles blowing and everything going crazy. I look down, and there's cops with machine guns running towards us from both sides, the whole place, every guard in the fucking place. Monsieur, Monsieur, what are you doing, you stupid Americans? What are you doing? I said, what do you mean calling us stupid Americans? He said, you open these windows here? They didn't give a fuck about the weed or nothing. They said, don't, you, the air of Paris will ruin the Mona Lisa. And then he closes them and he puts this, this stingy little latch. He wasn't locked or anything. I said, you know what, you call me stupid? In America, that would be locked, man. And we walked away. <laughs> that is so crazy, though. <laughs> the Mona Lisa. I've never heard a story like that. And the next fucking day, we're over at the Olympic Theater in Paris, man. And I'm sitting on the stage. And now, we, we were typical juvenile delinquents as we grew up, all of us. And so once you get to Europe in those days, every store you went into sold switchblades. Right, gravity knives or switchblades. So we we had we were buying them like crazy because we were flicking them all the time. If anybody gave us any shit, everybody went blade. Yeah, and everybody walked away from us. So it was cool. But anyway, I'm sitting in Paris and I'm smoking a joint on stage and I'm sitting in the Olympic Theater, which was a historical place, and I'm dropping this knife into the stage, man, like playing just having fun. Boom, stupid shit. And smoking this big bomber, right? And so I pull it out. And then I see the shiny shoes right on me, man. And they were, all the cops were carrying machine guns because they thought that a rock and roll show was a riot. Same thing. Right. So I said they had Sten guns with them, little briefcase machine guns. So here's a guy. I look up. It's a gendarme, man. I go, fuck, a felony joint in my hand, a felony knife in my hand. What now? He says, monsieur, your cigarette? 
No, 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 no. I thought he meant marijuana. No, he pointed to a sign. No smoking. No smoking. No problem, sir. French cigarettes smell worse than pop, man. Zetains and Galois, man, they covered great. Which brings me to that cigar you're smoking. So for a while, I came up with the idea when they were busting us at the hotels. We toweled the doors. We did everything. I said, well, I'm going to start smoking. Cigar. And then I went right to Cubans. You realize right away, Cubans are the best. And you Monte Cristo them. number two is my favorite. And Bill Graham heard <laughs> that me and Ramrod were smoking cigars. And so he went in New York, and he bought us two boxes of Monte Cristos. Number and, twos are and, the best uh, ones, dog. That's the Cohibas. Uh huh. And he stacked them up, and he also went and got us uh, 10 cigars from a stash of 1958 pre-Castro. So we were smoking wow. the best cigars going, man, and covering the pot smell with it. Because it's always a good cover-up. Till a guy walked down the hall, he says, you know, this hallway smells like good cigars and good weed. <laughs> good cigars, good weed. Dave Gash, craziest place. I can't follow that joke. You could not be fucking kidding me. No, you better skip. At a school? <laughs> yeah, in the bathroom. I got to pass on The Mona Lisa? Come on. You, on, come on. I, I can't follow The that. Mona Lisa? I, da, 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 da. I, I mean, I don't even want to ask the question again right. to anybody, actually. I don't want to ask it to anybody. You ever went to France and just fucking, woo, 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 like that? I'm like, I want to film that. I want, that should be in a movie, right? Like, that's a movie scene of like, what? <laughs> that is crazy, Dave. Let's jump to the next one. Question number four. Oh, yeah, what is your go-to munchies after you got high? What is it, like, early on, now, still, if you get that good high and a good munchie, what is Dave grabbing? Or what, what is the big Steve grabbing first off and then Dave? Give me a steak. Get it. Get a steak? A steak? Now, you're talking about a munchie. Yeah. What's uh, a, get close. Get close. I try to make it. Grab it. Screen, grab the mic. A low, oh, yeah, excuse me. I, I, I'm into low carb in it. So there are low carb ice creams that are oh, delicious nice. now, man. And that's where I go. There it goes. Keeping it healthy. And some other bars, and they are just great. Old and healthy, Dave. I'm going peanut butter uh, pretzels. Those are fucking bomb. Bomb, bomb. This is a good one. If you could smoke with anyone, dead or alive, and I can't imagine how many you fucking smoked with anyways, (laughs) who would it be and why? I got to say Jerry Garcia because I was just something about me and him smoking all those nights and waiting backstage and he had stage fright and he he would do all his thing and he loved to smoke and it helped him and just having that talk with him and chat with him and uh that would be probably who i'd bring back for so let me ask you you ready yeah we light a joint i hand it to you right you hand it to him what's the first thing you say how the fuck are you man no, the first thing he's going to say to me is, give me a pick. And so to this day, I carry his picks in my pocket. He's going to say, give me a pick. That's Because dope. when I get run over by a fucking car, he's, he's going to come up to me wherever we are. And he say, give me a pick, man. Because I, I always carried his picks. And he never dropped a pick very rarely. But he's probably out of them by now. So That's so spiritual right there, dog. Thank you for sharing that. That's big. That's big. I'll show you too. I, I, yeah, I, I can't wait for you to get it out of your pocket. I can't just because I, I want to see it too. I, I'm just so touched by that because that is exactly probably what would happen. And I'll show you what else I carry in my pocket. Because mojo, mojo is what it's all about in this world to me, man. Some Magic people carry stones. Some people carry. Well, I carry see what I carry right here. I'll show you a couple things. What is it? This is a Grateful Dead em- uh, emblem. Jerry's pick. pick show the cameras pick. too. Show the cameras too, please. Can you show the? You have a Grateful Dead emblem and two picks. You keep this Wait, with you every one day. Other thing, I got a silver. Is it dollar, every? I got a silver dollar that this man gave me when we first met to bond our friendship. 
and I carry that with me too. So there's Grizzly Peak, Grateful Dead, Jerry, and Bobby, and everybody else. Now give me some. Give me your shoe, Joe. You ready for what I'm gonna give you? You ready for what I'm gonna give you? You ready for this? No, no, no. You ready? I'm gonna give you something. And I didn't realize I was gonna do this right now. But I'm Uh gonna give you something. You ready for this? Uh It's something I keep on me that I'm gonna give to you. You ready? Because what I give to you is not only my last two dollars that I keep in my wallet, but if these two dollars, if you rub the mic like this. These $2 can instantly turn into a $2 bill like that. Did you see that? Wow. So I'm going to give you this and say, for you, not only are you going to remember me from being your brother right here one time, but you're going to remember me right here as your brother the second time. Never forget. I'll keep that. Because you're going to have this as the one in two times that we've, we've met. And right here is the $2. The $2 bill, I'll, I'll teach you it afterwards, but that's yours. And if you keep it in your wallet, you keep it. If not, there you go. Thank you, brother. And I'll teach you, I'll teach you it afterwards. So there, there it is. Give me some love. That's a, that's a brotherhood right there. That's a brotherhood. Here. No, 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 no. I don't want your last $2. It's either. not. It's, I just want to say that on the show. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> don't ruin it for me. Jeez, come on. That's okay. Don't take away from my shine. <laughs> don't but, take away from my fucking thing. It's a good one, right? Oh, it's I got, amazing. I got to go hook up right now. You got to go hook up. So, you got to do your show. Dave, let's get your final answer on the... I know you've said it before, but I'd love to hear it again. Well, I hope it's going to be you. I heard you were, you know, getting back on possibly samples at least. But well, if... Fu- if that's funny that you say that because I'm only ready for this. So I hit the oils only. As you say, you're using okay. cannabis. So if you have an oil, I would love to ingest some oils with you. It's funny because I've said this on the show and you don't know this yet. But you know I don't smoke cannabis, right? 23 right. years, too, by the way, Steve, sober. Complete abstinence. I've been in the program the whole nine, right? Cannabis? Smoking the oil. cannabis. Okay. Flour only. That, but, can, flat, but oils, I'm, I'm ingesting. And because of the surgery, I've now used cannabis as my regimen of pain medicine yeah, yeah, of course. so i've been ingesting where i never did because my sobriety i would use oils and tinctures and this and that mildly but i wouldn't use anything that would do that until i had surgery and now i'm a consistent user for medicine i'm no longer on pain pills good for you, you like that you like that i can't wait to show you that and that being said who's the person me but who else really well of course you know i wouldn't mind smoking a joint with cherry but it's been nice to have the next best thing. Second it really has, thing. right? It really has been. And you know what? It's, it's real been, honor. And it's been a real thank honor to have you guys. As you got to get ready both. for your show, I just want to say thank you, Big Steve, for coming on the show. Seriously, well, share. And again. there's let's no, do it again. No, anytime, anytime. As a matter of fact, I hope I hope you like our campus. I'm thanking you for coming here. You can utilize it anytime. Let's I do really something do here. Like it here. Everybody here is wonderful, nice folks. You got working here. Very good facility. Real at home here. I love the way it's set up. You can sit out back. You can sit out back. Well, here. and I'm sorry you didn't get to meet the CEO and the man who's created all this, Christopher Wright, aka Blue, who would be sitting right here next to me. And he's the guy that visioned this. And we just all been work. He's been working tremendously hard putting this all together. And everybody else has been helping him, but it is vision. So I can't wait for you to slap hands with him and see that. But our home is your home. Know that. For both of you guys, obviously. Well, I appreciate that. But hopefully the ratings on this show, Blue might not have a seat when he gets back. So, (laughs) hey, Blue, you better be working real hard. Because welcome to Cannabis Talk 101 with Dave and Joe right here. (laughs) 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 It's Cannabis Talk 101, you guys. And if nobody else has told you they love you today, guess what? We do! Thank you for listening to Cannabis Talk 101 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.